This is the Lightning Junkies podcast with your host, Chaz. On this week's episode of the podcast, we have Fiat Jeff and Rusty Russell, and we're doing a contrasty thing between different Lightning Network uh, devs here, and they're kind of different worlds and maybe trying to put any prev out in there, maybe. Just a quick reminder before we jump into this episode that you can support us by listening to us on Breeze or many other value-for-value apps that would allow you to support us with Bitcoin over the Lightning Network can be found at podcastindex.org forward slash apps. And you can personally support us here at the Lightning Junkies podcast by going to lightningjunkies.net forward slash support. Now that's out of the way. How are you guys doing today? Hey, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, Fit Jeff here. Rusty here. I'm good too. And looking forward to it. I think most people that, you know, know anything about the Lightning Network know who both of you guys are. For different reasons, I think, you know, obviously Rusty is a uh, protocol developer um, and Fiat Jeff, as uh, Rusty was kind of describing you before, runs the full gambit of a full stack developer. So maybe the first question would be, uh, Fiat Jeff, how would you describe yourself as a developer? Would you just say, don't describe me, I'm, I'm just working on Lightning? Uh, yeah, basically that. I I, describe, I I say programmer, never say developer. <laughs> I don't know if this is the correct word. Uh, I think it's like an old-fashioned word these days. Fiat Jeff just tends to like you know push the boundaries of things. So he comes to us with like these great weird requests for stuff he's trying to do that makes it you know kind of like, oh that's kind of cool and yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's someone who's continually exploring the boundaries I think and just hacking on stuff. So programmer is great, coder, hacker, these all fit. Yeah, I think I was uh, thinking hacker, but I wasn't sure if that was still the the appropriate term. Maybe the 1980s definition of hacker, where it's just, I enjoy being on my computer. So, okay, kind of going from there, um, I think maybe the biggest example of this phenomenon where Fiat Jaff might kind of step in and try to help with you know, things he might consider missing in, you know, maybe the Bolt spec or maybe just Lightning Network in general is LNURL. Fiat Jeff, do you want to briefly let people know how that kind of started and what the thought process was and all that? I didn't create that. Like, uh, it started on the BLW, uh, the BLW guy and someone else wanted to do a a way to request channel opens from a service to the wallet. Okay, so it was it was my misunderstanding then. Sorry. Uh, and then they, they invented that that thing that later was called in your channel. And then the, the BOW guy was having trouble withdrawing from Lightning apps from his phone wallet on the desktop. So he came up with that LNR withdrawal thing. The web the website shows a QR code and you scan it. Then I, I watched the video of uh, that we chat stuff from China and people buying pizza with a bunch of people standing in front of a guy that sells the, the, the food and they were scanning a QR code. And I thought, oh, wow, if we can do the, the, the other way, we can do the, the person scanning this static QR code and the, the store receiving a message that some guy bought a pizza and delivering the pizza to him. 
So I, I suggested that LNUR pay stuff. And then more, more people added other stuff to it. Before, like the LNUR withdrawal and channel were good ideas before, but no one was implementing them or using them for anything. So I, I waited to see if someone would do it, but no one was doing. So I started pushing it. Like I implemented it on the LNTX bot. And then I started talking to those small lighting servers that existed at the time, like LNPay, the paywall stuff, the lightning gifts, the micro bet, and talking to these people, asking them to implement. And then I implement, contributed to, I, I opened up PR to a blue wallet, implementing it on blue wallet and somewhere else, I think Zeus wallet. And then that like generated a little bit of network effect. And then it started growing. I guess the reason why I would ask, so I, I apologize for misattributing you there, um, but I, I knew you had a, a good like a hand in kind of pushing that along. That, that, that's it, what I, that, this story I told you. <laughs> I was pushing it really hard for it. So, but I, I guess like the reason why you, would, you might want to push something like LNURL along is kind of in contrast to what Rusty is working on with, with offers, right? This way of kind of doing these, these things with invoices that were just not built into to the Lightning Network. Is that kind of what your reasoning was to, to kind of help push along this technology? No, I'm, I'm not sure. I think the, the offers didn't exist at the time. And I, I like the idea of having it as a separate thing. Decoupled, decoupled from the from the Lightning Network, like the, the protocol side. It also, because the protocol didn't have a way to pass arbitrary messages between nodes, like it was just payments. If I remember well, the the first draft of offers was using failed payments or something like just like the WhatsApp stuff, the the base, the, the initial pro- proposal for doing chat on on Lightning Network. And I I, I don't like that idea. <laughs> didn't like that. Yeah, I didn't like it either. Um, yeah, so VHF's absolutely right. So this is this LNURL is like a collection of things that you need to make lightning better, right? There's a whole heap of like spanners and tools that make lightning way more usable. Um, the static the static invoices thing that basically you can get from LNURL is really cool. Um, you know, a lot of that work inspired uh, the offers work, and I'm like, cool. Um, but it requires more infrastructure, right? So offers is slow because it, you know. We have to get um, messaging infrastructure, which means everyone, you know, spec needs to be upgraded. People need to support it and all that thing. But that's cool because we have LNURL. So I'm like, okay, we can take our time to do this right. Um, LNURL just uses HTTP. Like it's very easy for web devs to, to master. And it's harder to use a messaging thing that goes through the Lightning Network. Uh, you know, there are some benefits for sure. But, you know, if you want something today, LNURL is great. Um, and it's kind of giving me some breathing room to kind of make sure that offers is developed kind of, you know, uh, and offers does a whole heap of other things too. Um, the, the, the two are, I mean, in some ways, are in competition. But for example, the you know the channel opening and other stuff that LNURL offers is not something that that is in offers at all. I, I see LNURL as a great layer on top of bits that people wanted, you know, that, that wallet devs wanted um, to make things work better. Rusty, what do you think of uh, of this, like the idea of turning Lightning to a generalized message? network like you can pass any messages is that scalable i'm not sure about this if if, if it's restricted to payment stuff but but if you open like to anything i'm not sure it will work so um 
people, the problem is people are doing it already, right? People are using failed payments as this message. So it's like, well, let's give them a lighter way, way, way of doing that. So the thing about onion messages is there's no state, um, which is nice. Uh, the onion message itself contains the blinded return path. So, uh, but there's no errors. You know, basically, if something goes wrong, you just have to retransmit and stuff like that. So uh, it's really, really lightweight for nodes. They just decrypt it, unwrap it, and push it onwards. So it like just making a Tor-like network inside Lightning. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is the dumbest possible, simplest possible network using the existing kind of onion format and everything else so it's really easy to implement um and the only thing is the cpu usage and the, the network usage um it doesn't use up hdlc slots or anything else that you get with with bogus messages so so that, that it's pretty easy to implement um we've obviously got it in c lightning uh there's the draft spec out for onion messages um and i would like the others to kind of go and do it but you don't need a channel to do onion messages. So if no one supports onion messages, you can always just give in, connect directly to the destination and send them an onion message, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious it came from you. <laughs> like you just connected to them to send them this message, but as a workaround. Um, and, you know, if, you've got, if you're using it over Tor, it probably doesn't matter as much. You know, obviously, if you're doing it in the clear, then it's, they, can, they can harvest your IP, which is kind of the same thing that you get from L and URL. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, there is that. Uh, but it's a longer term thing because the network you need you want it to roll out across the whole network so that everyone can do it and then you can send onion messages through. In the very long term, we may end up having to charge for onion messages, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm really sat per forward or something. That would would be great. Yeah, but you know, I I think we're a long way from that now. Uh, we'll probably just rate limit them for the moment. Mm. Yeah, we should be rate limiting these failed payments. There are tons of failed payments probes. Oh, I hate these things. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's interesting. So I, I built onion messages partially because that's the way offers work, right? You you get an offer, you reach out to get the real invoice, um, and then you pay that invoice, right? So we needed the messaging system, and like, yeah, I agree with you. The horrible, horrible way to do it is to fake payment, uh, which clogs up the network and does all these terrible, like it's a probe. Um, but the thing I like about onion messages is it is a probe, right? You kind of get to make sure there's a path at least, right? That everyone on the path is up um, and responsive. So before you you make a payment so that's uh it, it is it kind of higher latency because you got these two passes but you know the first pass does give you some information and also that's kind of a weak incentive for them to forward the message for you because if you don't forward the message then well if, if you're not forwarding my messages i'm not going to use you to make the payment either so <laughs> ideally right you've got some weak incentive to to, to play well there um but the to, to go back to the whole problem of like the, the whole LNURL versus um, versus like offers thing is kind of a little bit like offers is much more ambitious um, and so going to take longer. And I love the fact that we've got this this broad ecosystem and people just people come up with solutions for stuff. Um, and you know it may be that like I expect LNURL to be around for an awfully long time uh, just because it works today and it's simple. Um, only as people like want the more sophisticated stuff in offers, like recurring payments and uh, proof of payment and things like that, that or proof of payer, importantly, um, that that we'll start seeing you know offers kind of come through. But it's you know it, it's a slow dance because everyone's got to upgrade and infrastructure is always hard. How about we kind of go into that a a, a bit more? Um, so from from either of your two's uh, perspectives, it's how do you how do you kind of 
how do I ask this question? How do you kind of develop a framework for for how you expect the speed of your development to take? Obviously, on the protocol side, it's extremely slow relative to an, an application person or a front-end person who can just go super fast. Um, could you guys just kind of comment on how, like, how do you picture that in your mind? How do you model that? How fast should it go? Should there be a certain speed, et cetera, et cetera? So I can describe why it's slow. And the obvious one is that, you know, you've got to not just implement it, but you've got to spec it out. And that, that slows you down for two reasons. One, because you've actually got to write the text that says you should do this, you should not do this, all that stuff. But it also slows you down because you've got to think about it a lot more. You're not like, oh, I can just fix this later. You have to actually know, oh, crap, how will we fix this later? How will that happen? And all those things. So that, that slows you down a bit. But the other rule is that we don't get something into the spec where it's like, That's, it's all good to go. It's on the network until you've got two independent interoperable implementations. And that has saved our ass so often because the second person comes along and goes, cool, I want to implement this. And, and they, they really look at it, right? And they're like, why did you do it this way? Why not this way? Like, it would be easier for us if you did it this way. Uh, or this is just dumb. Or, oh, we, if we did this, we could do these other cool things too. Um, and that happens almost every single time because, you know, it's one thing to read a proposal. It's another thing to actually try to make it work with your code. Um, and so it's not just a token thing to have the second implementation. It's really important. Um, and, you know, it, it turns out better, but yeah, that takes time. So firstly, you've got to have two projects that it gets to the top of the priority list. And there's a lot of stuff you could be doing, right, in Lightning today. So, you know, you think it's important. You do the spec and you do the implementation, you get yours working. And you've got to find some other wallet developer or some other Lightning node developer who also is excited enough to get to the top of their priority list. And then they go through and then they give you feedback and then you kind of rev the spec. And then you finally, you know, that, that may cause the first person to have to modify their implementation to fit the changes that are being proposed. And you go back and forth until you're both really happy with it. And then you go, right, Make, you make it work together. You test that it actually that it does actually work, um, and sometimes that proves you know. Oh, I thought that sentence meant this. Oh, I thought it meant this. Okay, let's clarify the spec, right? And let's decide which one and fix it. So, you know, you do all that, um, and then it finally goes into the spec. And at that point, you go, "Cool, we're live on the network. Everyone can support this, right? It's not just an experimental weird thing anymore." Um, and then you see it start to roll out. So there's all these kind of stages that it goes through. Um, mainly because we don't want random crap on the network that breaks and you have these horrible hacks to try to work around it. But yeah, that's, that's going to be a slow process. But you know, it does get us some pretty robust results in the end, right? Things that we can go, cool, we're going to be happy supporting that in 10 years' time, right? We're happy for somebody writing a new Lightning implementation from scratch that they're going to have to do this. And you know, they're not going to look at us insanely and punch me in the face when they see me at a conference because I did some stupid, crazy stuff in the spec. Yeah, it is, you know, um, so, so that's, that's way slower than the, huh, here's a cool hack I can do. Let's go hack it. Um, and the, but you need that too, right? People have got to be experimenting. And so if you get this right, you've got your experiments happening on one level and you've got your, okay, cool. We're prepared to live with this forever. You know, we're going to marry this kind of level and that's going to be slower. On the application side, at least my <laughs> hobby do everything style is just I came up with come up with an idea and start implementing it and abandon the other ideas then I come back to the other ideas and I don't calculate anything <laughs> but uh, let let me ask something let me ask you something Rusty. what do you think of the idea of having a bib style thing for optional features like either in, in the lightning layer or in like around it 
because I, I think like you have a very solid base on lighting, like the, the basic messages and, and that these things that will never change probably. And, and then there's a ton of stuff that could be done on the top, like key sand and whatever. These things, I don't, I don't think they, they ever should be put inside the core spec, like the core spec. I imagine it's better if it remains small and solid. And then you can have a bunch of optional stuff. And I think you, you, the, the idea of the network was to have a bunch of optional stuff because you have these features a bit like. Keysend is a really good example there. So Keysend doesn't have any spec. You've got to read an implementation to figure out how it works. Um, and <laughs> yeah. that sucks, right? That's, that's even worse than having like a, at least if someone had like a something somewhere you could point at it, wherever it was. Um, so... Yeah, a few people have kind of said, hey, we should, we should do this kind of split between like core and like optional extra stuff, um, which, which I think is actually a really good idea. Um, and I wonder if we should go, well, let's just do Bolt, like 100 and above is like optional stuff and advice kind of stuff. Like, you know, because um, there's a whole lot of people building stuff and, you know, there's a lot of best practices that isn't really like a requirement, but, you know, you should probably should think about it kind of thing. I think maybe boat boat eleven maybe should be part of this non core stuff. Although at this at this point it's so widespread, but uh, like someone could came up with another way of transmitting payment data that that's better, and then slowly people could be changing to that. But yeah, I, I don't think this will happen. Yeah, well, that's bolt twelve. Bolt twelve replaces bolt eleven, right? So. Um... You know, we could put that at like bolt 100 plus. Uh, cool. That's that's you know, yeah. And 100 plus could be you know LN URL and a whole heap of other things. It's like here's the stuff that you should look at now. Look at implementing on top of Lightning. Bolt 11 is just the encoding, right? So in, in yeah. bolt 12, you send the same data, but in different like not the batch 32 encoding. Yeah, there is a batch 32 encoding. So the reason I went, I abandoned bolt 11 is it wasn't extensible either. There's no way to put new fields in bolt 11. Uh, you can jam new fields in there, but you can't indicate whether or not these fields are compulsory or not. So in, in the wire protocol, we've got a really good method for saying, cool, this field is compulsory, this field isn't. It's also really tied to BEC32. It's like a five-bit protocol. Um, I, I was proud of it when I came up with it, but if you try to send that across the wire rather than in a QR code or something, it's just messy. Even the signature requires the encoding. Right? There's no separate... Thing between the encoding and the signature, so uh, Bolt twelve is, is is basically the same as the wire format, and then you can just you just turn that into a Beck thirty two. You know, if you want to present it, you present it as Beck thirty two. That's great, but it has a real format underneath, which is more compact than um, some of the mess we did in Bolt eleven. <laughs> yeah. Bolt eleven has like this ten twenty four limit length limit on fields uh, because we had five bits to play with uh, or 10 bits. We just chose 10 bits, like two five-bit fields um, and stuff like that. I was kind of really hacking the bits to try to squeeze Bolt 11 down and some of those trade-offs were not great, um, particularly when people want to put blinded paths in things. This idea, so, so Bolt 11 has route hints. We can go, cool, here's how you can get to me, but they're pretty open. Um, they tell you exactly how to get to someone and while you can obfuscate that a little bit, um, what we really want is a blinded path where you go, cool, talk to this, this node here and give them this blob and put that inside your onion. Um, and here's a series of those. And basically, you don't know what you're putting in the onion, right? It, it unwraps it and it goes, cool, now I know where to go to go next. 
so you can provide this blinded path. Um, but those get pretty big. So, you know, um, we, we start to get into, into problems with Bolt 11 there. And yeah, implementing Bolt 11 is pretty freaking awful, whereas implementing Bolt 12 is trivial. Like, it's really easy. Um, so yeah, there's a reason to do that. Um, and, and I wanted to extend it with new fields and stuff. Uh, a vendor field, like this is a common request, right? There's no vendor field in Bolt 11. There's a description field. And people often put the vendor there, like strike puts strike in there. Like, well, it doesn't tell me what I'm paying for, right? Like why, who am I sending this money? Like I'm sending it to strike, yeah, great. But who am I sending it to? Why am I sending it? I don't like, I don't like the vendor field. I think there should be another thing that ties pub, public keys to vendors, like some some central registry or something that the wallets can query to say, oh, this public key is from some vendor. That would add more credibility to the vendor field or something. So the vendor field is optional, but I wanted to get stop people putting stupid vendor information in the description. <laughs> so that's why uh, somebody actually came up to me and said, "Actually, to be a legal receipt, it needs to have a vendor uh, for us." And I'm like, I looked at the law in Australia too. That's the same. You have to, one of the things you need is a vendor field. Um, you need to say who is this from. Now it's not authenticated, right? They can put anything they want in there. Like same with their node aliases. But it, 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 people actually want this uh, as a separate field. And I'm like, okay, we'll we'll put it in as an option. Um, but yes a way to actually validate people's nodes against something else, we probably would have to use something similar to the way that uh, Let's Encrypt validates that you own a website for, or something like that. Some kind of website probe is the most obvious thing. Tie it to a domain, right? Um, ugh, it's a hard problem though, right? Um, but it would increase the reliability if you could go, cool, I have done some validation that really is, you know, uh, you know, the Lightning Junkies podcast that you're paying to rather than something calling itself the Lightning Junkies podcast. Um, and there's a whole pile of identity in there. And like, you know, Microsoft have a thing that does identity on top of, you know, there's a whole, I, I would love somebody who to dive down that rabbit hole and come back with an answer for us. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like you're volunteering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll add it. I'll add it to my list of... Awesome. <laughs> the, at, at the bottom of the most useless thing I have. It's important, but it's it is a, it's a it's a huge problem. That would be great to have a you know have at least a rudimentary solution for. Uh, would be pretty awesome. Just to jump in here, uh, so I, I, I wanted to ask Fiat Jaff. So you kind of mentioned your list right now. Uh, what sort of things are on your you know Lightning Network wish list here? Um, you know, we have Rusty here, so let's uh, let's hash it out. Okay, <laughs> I have I have some things, but they're not on the on the Rusty side. Uh, one thing is like um, hosted channels. I think it's very important, very important stuff. Like to replace all the custodial wallets with hosted channels that are somewhat custodial, but that like they're custodial, but they're private. They're cryptographically safer like you 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 know if the person is robbing you uh, there's no there's no excuses there and they can't see who you're paying i think this is very important like you can have a wallet with hosted channels to multiple providers and do mpp payments between them it's a a big improvement uh in relation in relation to custodial wallets that we have today and and like i wanted I want uh, hosted channels routing too. So if you have 
one like two two routing nodes and they have a hosted channel between them they should be able to do a to route a payment there uh, and like this is not sure how to solve this because the, these channels cannot be propagated to the channel graph and also I, I was I have more stuff to say on this but on the other thing I was working is this liquid integration I was working on a bridge node that bridges net, net, lighting networks from the liquid side to the main chain side and the, the routing was difficult so I started implementing trampoline routing I'm not sure this is like like for the trampoline routing from the bridge from the liquid side to asks the bridge node to, to do a trampoline to the Bitcoin side. And I'm not sure this is the best solution, but I think it's a fair, fair, good, good enough. Uh, but, but I was thinking like in the future, if we have like the Lightning Network as a core network and a bunch of different networks around it that can integrate with like this liquid network could be there and it could inter interact with the normal Lightning Network and hosted channels, like each one is its own network, let's say, we could say that. And maybe some other side chain or something, you can have a network there. And that is this proposal for having state chains and lighting channels on top of state chains is also something possible, but wouldn't fit in the normal port protocol. It would be slightly different. And also you wouldn't be able to announce these channels on the routing graph. So I'm not sure how to solve this. <laughs> Please solve it. Yeah. So this is, I mean, um, interestingly, this goes back to the original sidechains paper that Blockstream released before I joined Blockstream. Like right their opening thing was talking, they, they pointed out that you can do atomic swaps in and out of like a sidechain. Because um, even though your sidechain mechanism may require 100 blocks or whatever delay. Um, uh, but of course, with the Lightning Network, that's an atomic swap for you right, right there. So just use that to get in and out is, 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 is a great idea. Um, the gossip propagation rules for a sidechain would probably be different. Um, for anti-spam reasons, we require that you prove that you own the channel, like basically there is a UTXO before we'll accept your gossip message about it. Um, it just it's <laughs> All the hard problems in Lightning, we solve by going, well, we'll just use Bitcoin, the main chain, to solve that, right? And this is one of those examples, right? So it's hard to do gossip about chains you don't know about um, because you can't validate the proof. Um, you could probably use a new UTXO model, similar, uh, but you may want to use something different. But then you've got to handle you know, how you handle spam for the network and things like that. So, uh, But I think it should basically work. You could have a separate gossip messages. And at the moment, everyone will ignore gossip messages on networks they don't care about or know about. In fact, when you connect with a NIT, you're supposed to say what networks you care about. So your partner can even filter messages for you. Oh, cool. I know you don't care about the lighting, the, the liquid network, so I'm not going to send you any of that gossip. Um, or you do, and so I'll send that all to you. But if they do, you'll just ignore it anyway. So we can have gossip about other networks, um, but it does mean that you've got to track two networks. The, the, the other side is, is more important, but if, you, if, you, if you're on liquid, it's likely that the liquid lighting, net, lightning network will be a small subset of the total network. So if you're receiving a payment on, li on the liquid side, the, the sender can use like that blinded paths stuff or routing hints to reach you. But from the other side, it's more difficult <laughs> like, because you don't have a, an easy way. Uh, it's possible to 
receive the gossips, but yeah, I couldn't do that on the C Lightning plugin. <laughs> receive the gossip messages and forward them. So I'm doing this trampoline thing. Let's see what we can do about that. Um, Lightning, <laughs> gossip, uh, other networks, networks. We should definitely support that. I think I think trampoline messages like is is trampoline routing is is good enough. It's a good thing to have, maybe. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of exciting. So, um, so just for those who don't know. I should disclose here, I work for Blockstream, and one of our products is like this uh, liquid sidechain that's a federated uh, system where basically it, it runs the different rules. The, the, the federations sign off on each block. Blocks are like one minute apart, uh, like, like clockwork, rather than this Prasom process uh, that we use for, for Bitcoin. So it's this different trust model. Um, if all of the, you know, or if, if the majority of the, uh, I think it's a super majority, of, if 11 of the 15 nodes decide they could take all your money kind of thing. Um, they're all run by different operators and everything else. So it is a different uh, security model, um, and, but it has some cool features. So there are reasons that you would use that uh, over on-chain Bitcoin because um, it's, it's a different economic model as well. It doesn't, doesn't require fees so much for, for payments. So once you're on there, um, and yeah, getting, getting using the Light Network to bridge across that is, is actually kind of interesting and professionally interesting because you know it helps pay my salary and stuff like that. So um, so. Just to give you some background, that's that's kind of the liquid network and the background there. Um, and yeah, uh, atomic, as I said, atomic swaps were talked about for that before Lightning even existed. So uh, it's kind of cool to see that come together as the two parts. And Fiat Jeff, I am taking notes of everything you're saying. Okay, let, let me say another thing then. What do you think of these closing channels? Like, I, I'm very annoyed at this that we close channels to redeem HTLCs that don't exist. Like, this is very weird and wrong. We shouldn't be doing this, right? Right. Okay. So, just HTLCs. Um, that's easy to fix, right? Uh, you can... I'm not sure it is. Well, you can just kind of go, well, that's not worth me closing a channel over. But then what to do with that unresolved HTLC? Well, um, I think the first step is not closing the channel, but then you don't, you, we don't know what to do with that. Um, you're right. You have to probably um, take the loss and close it upstream and hope you can deal with it later. Um, that's what will happen if you go on-chain. Um, you could say if you come back and your peer tries to redeem the HTLC, like they go away for a week, right? And after three days, you want to close the channel, but you don't. You just close out the HTLC, you fail it on the way back. You go, to everyone, oh, it failed. And then your peer comes back after a week and says, no, 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 I've got the pre-image for you. And at that point, maybe you go, no, 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 no. And you close the channel then. I mean, you haven't, you haven't lost anything, right? Um, you're no worse off. You're no worse off, yeah. All right? But for, probably they come back and go, oh, sorry, yeah, let's just fail that HTLC and you're good. So that's like the simplest thing to do. Yeah, I, I hope this, this works. But there are other cases like, like please implement this. <laughs> but yeah, taking notes. On the other side, like if you have a pre-image, a pre-image and you're sending a pre-image to the, to the node and it's not responding or it's offline, and then it comes back a week later and says, you didn't give me a pre-image. Now pay me, please. <laughs> and then, no, 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 I had a pre-image here. You didn't want it. You didn't take it. 
you could still choose to close in that case or not. I mean, uh, you know, you may end up in an argument, but you're talking about a dust HLC, so you're talking about a tiny amount of money. You've got to decide: is it worth you closing or not? Um, now, there's got to be some arithmetic in there. But the problem is that if there's if there's a, a logic, like if one side always loses, the other can exploit that and do a million times. Yeah, you do need to add them up and go, "Oh, that's the total here." Um, it also depends who's paying the fee for closing, right? If they open the channel, uh, then it's free for you to close. So there is a slight, it's a bit of a bit of a dick move to do, but you can close the channel because you know they're paying for it, maybe. Um, uh, but you know, fundamentally, with really small HTLCs, it's you're you're relying on that enforcement is really expensive. That going on chain is expensive, so you try not to do it. Um, I will need to think about yeah what we do the other way. Um, if you ha- if you want to redeem the HLC and they're offline, do you just close on them anyway? You could use a statistical method, right? You could go you'll sometimes, but don't always do it, right? So that it's not as likely to be gamed. People can't count on it happening. Um, you know, we could do something. Almost anything we do would be better than than just closing and getting upset with them. <laughs> good, very good point. I was thinking that could be a an alternative method, like the the blockchain is the hard method that you use for big HTOCs, but that could be a soft arbiter method that you choose, your, your, your two nodes choose someone to be the arbiter of, of that HTOC, though the small HTOCs. Not sure. Oh, I like that idea. Um, arbiter for small HTOCs. Hmm. I mean, to some extent, yes, we're going to end up in that. I mean, why were you away for a week? Dude, like, you know, to take a holiday? Like, I, I don't know, if you've got a live HLC and you're going away for a week, we're kind of already in, like, I don't know, um, how long am I going to let to go, you know, I don't know. Maybe the arbiter for HLC, small HLCs is like, I send you a message of a signal to go, dude, can you give me the pre-image for this? Or, you know, <laughs> I've got your pre-image, man. Freak your note back online. I don't know. But I think the, the heavy and arbiter, an automated arbiter is like, uh, you're, you have the pre-image and you're sending to the arbiter, you're sending to the other peer and it's not responding. So you send to the arbiter instead of closing the channel and sending the pre-image to the, to the chain, uh, which, which you wouldn't do because the, the, the HTOC is not there anyway. Uh, you send to the arbiter and then when the other node come, comes back, the arbiter, the arbiter tells him, I have the pre-image here in the, in the, in the time, like you, you weren't here, so you have to 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 have the costs. And if the other yep. node doesn't agree, you close the channel and you blacklisted. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you could do that. Um, like if you didn't do an arbiter and you just—I mean, we're just riffing now. But if if you just sent you the pre-image, what should the other one do? Should they accept the loss? Like take it? Okay, whatever. I'm—I don't know. But but if if they if they only getting the pre-image after the, the timeout, yeah. They wouldn't know. Maybe, maybe they're 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 honest and their node crashed, and they don't know if they're wrong or not. Like they they will assume you were wrong, but they are wrong because they were offline, or maybe they're trying to trick you. <laughs> That's right. I mean, the thing is, it's, you can't really determine who was offline, right? I mean, um, I may think, well, I couldn't reach you either, right? You were offline. You're like, no, you were offline. Whose fault is it? Um, Maybe that's what the arbiter's for, because you go, well, I, I killed the arbiter at this time. And I should have been asking the arbiter, by the way, I can't reach this dude because he sent me anything. 
Um, like, is there any messages for me? And you basically run the channel through the arbiter for a while because you can't reach each other. Maybe. Yeah, the, the arbiter has to try to connect you. Like, so it, it serves that purpose. Yeah, it, it also fixes like the pre-image going through the payer because today if you pay a 10 set invoice and something bad happens in the middle, I think that the pre like there is the the pay may have released the pre-image, but the pre-image doesn't may may not get to the payer. That's true. Because because it's not on chain, because it's too small. Okay, but I, I think like the, the, the first the first thing you suggested is already a big improvement, like just not, not closing and cool. It won't make this next release because that is pending immediately. Lisa's Lisa's release captain, so it's up to her. But um, it will take me a, probably twenty four hours to code and test. So don't overpromise that <laughs> you have to release after that. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you will have to wait three months, but we will definitely do that. Okay. No, I like that. Um, Cool. Wow. That's progress. Chaz, do you have any other questions you can uh, lead us to? Uh... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to add more features. When? When L2? <laughs> right. Well, okay. So let's, let's, let's hit that because that's, that's the fun one here. So, well, not, okay. I'll, I'll just take that back. It's one of the funner ones. But um, I was really enjoying your guys' conversation when you guys are just riffing and going back and forth. That's exactly what I wanted here. But um, so, Fiat Jeff, uh, you created anyprevout.xyz, this website that kind of goes over BIP118, Sikash, anyprevout, formerly Sikash, uh, no input, um, and kind of went over kind of all the things that, you know, what it would allow. It would allow L2, what would L2 allow, et cetera. Um, do you kind of briefly want to explain any prev out? You know, either you guys can explain it for me because I, I don't really understand it completely. But uh, any prev out and then briefly explain L2 and then we can kind of get into a back and forth about that stuff. Uh, I think it's better to rest, rest you explain this. But <laughs> any prev out is just you plug the transaction to any. Oh, anyway, go Rusty, please. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So at the moment when you create a transaction and you sign it, you also sign basically the whatever it spends. So you can't give me a transaction that I can also use to spend some other output. And that's usually what you want, but there's this cool hack you can do uh, in Lightning where what you do at the moment is you have this special revocation key that you exchange so that if I've got a, uh, a channel with Fiat Jaff and I try to cheat by basically publishing an old channel state, I've previously agreed to give him, I've given him the keys. That means he can take all the funds. This is a penalty transaction. Um, what you could do instead is just fiat Jeff goes, no, that's an old state. I'll just fix it up for you. Um, but to do that, he needs this kind of magic sign transaction from me uh, that he can also sign that he can attach to whatever I drop on chain, any of the previous ones. So state one, state two, state three. We've, we've made all these changes. We've sent all these payments to the channel. We've got like 100,000 states. Um, whichever one of those old ones I draw, Fiat Jeff goes, well, that's not right, and just drops the latest one on top and just spends whatever old one I've dropped to his and fixes it up. And so instead of a penalty, it's a much more kind of friendly method, but it has a whole heap of um, uh, it, 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 it's way nicer. This, this uh, revocation stuff is actually kind of dangerous. So I've given Fiat Jeff, I promise I will never, ever spend an old transaction. Here you go. Here's the keys. So if, 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 if I ever try it, you can take all my money. But mistakes happen. And almost every case is like people have accidentally stole the other person's money because they 
um, they, they restored an old backup or something like that. And so this toxic data is actually turns out to be a huge problem. So L2 just kind of fixes that. It's easy. You just fix up whatever they put on Chico. Well, that, that was ridiculous. Just put the latest one. To do that efficiently, we need um, Ccash any prep out, which basically lets a signature attach to any one of a number of different uh, transactions, basically. And that's, that's the exciting thing for Lightning and L2. Uh, but there are other cool things on the anyprevout.xyz site um, that I'm happy to let Fiat Jeff cover. <laughs> well, one of the things is the state chains proposal. That is, uh, I'm not sure should we be talking about this here. Is the is a way to have a an UTXO exchange hands without touch, touching the chain by using a, a state chain entity like a server or a federation that signs for you, and you. Hand, handhold like you pass the, the keys like it's a it's a two of two multi-sig and or or whatever tap root stuff and one person holds the keys and the federation holds the other key and that person gives the key away to the to the next person they're, they're sending the money to and notifies the federation so the federation knows only that current owner can spend the duty so and basically, uh, the federation also gives each user, uh, so it's not a full custodial stuff because each current owner of of the UTXO has a, a transaction that they can redeem on chain if the federation goes away or vanishes or whatever. But you need L2, the same L2 mechanism to replace a best transaction. So if a previous owner of the, that UTXO tries to publish their transaction, the current owner can replace that with the, the new one. It's like the new state, just like on the Lightning channel. Just to jump in really fast, uh, I, I, just, I just want to let the, let the listeners know that the most previous episode to this, which has not aired yet or been released yet, um, is the episode with Ruben Thompson, where he, where he kind of explains uh, state chains and space chains. Um, that'll be out uh, for you guys. It'll be out next Friday. For everyone else, it'll already be out because we're going to release this one second. Ah, clever. Right? So <laughs> we, should, we should cut this part where I explain it badly and just let Ruben explain <laughs> it. Yeah, but it gives Chaz a really good chance to like shill the, the previous one too. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening <laughs> to that episode myself. So. Well, um, so something good about that one is it helped me to kind of understand things a little bit better before getting into this conversation, which I felt like was at least slightly more uh, uh, technical. Um, so I can I, I kind of have better uh, questions, and I know Fiat Jeff likes drive chains, so I, I thought maybe versus kind of rehashing the same things I did on that episode, that we might go to a different place because. Uh, Ruben didn't really want to comment on drive chains too much. He hasn't really, really looked into them. Um, and I'm, so I'm wondering if Fiat Jeff could give us a, a better uh, contrast between drive chains and space chains. Uh, because I feel like, I mean, obviously they're not the same thing. One's a two-way peg, one's a one-way peg, et cetera. But um, I feel like they have relatively the same goals. Do you have any particular opinion on that, Fiat Jeff? Uh, I think they don't have the same goals. Like space chains for me is a way to do blockchain stuff without shit coins. Like uh, there's some things that are interesting to do in in blockchains, like the names, name stuff, like the name coin idea, but without the name 
name shitcoin uh, and other things and like space chains allows you to do that i especially don't like very much the the idea of the ruben's idea of having a space coin that is a one-way peg coin created from from bitcoin it's kind of a shit coin too but it tries hard to not be a shit coin because it can't go pump and dump on, on investors and stuff but I, I like more like having a blockchain that exists without a na- native uh, currency on it and you can have names on it and pay the miners uh, like out of band through lightning on the websites or you can have a space chain with some assets there like a uh, whatever asset like maybe a bitcoin asset issued by someone or a dollar asset and then you pay the miners with these assets the the space coin miners um yeah that's it and then the drive chain is like full sidechain stuff that you have bitcoin in it and you can do bitcoin stuff with with other benefits (laughs) so maybe just it, like I think they, they 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 go well together because if you have space chains, if you have a, a way to do blind merge mining like space chains do, and then later you add the hash eight uh, hash whatever the bit three hundred mechanism to jump the bitcoins from the main chain to the side chain, you can basically take the bitcoins from the main chain and put them on a space chain, and then the the bitcoins guaranteed by deep 300 will be the native currency of that space chain so they 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 have a synergy just to ask the question what do you think about drive chains uh rusty yeah so um it's a little bit outside my you know i try not to go down too many rabbit holes at once um but uh, you know, I'm I'm excited about experimentation in this space, um, and you know, I, I, I share Fiat Jeff's kind of concern. Like, you don't want to create a shit coin. There's there's all kinds of skewed incentives when you create your own currency uh, that go away uh, when you go cool. Well, it's just Bitcoin, and that's all easy. So, um, you know, and particularly the nice thing about all these proposals is they're isolated, right? You don't have to use it if you don't want to. Um, they exist, and it doesn't damage Bitcoin in any way. So. Um, from like a high level, I'm, I'm like I'm broadly supportive, but uh, I'm no, not in the weeds and can't give any like deep uh, technical critiques. I think to any of these. Something else on this uh, website that is interesting to me, but totally confusing, and I can't imagine exactly how it would look in practice, are multi-party channels or uh, channel factories. I was kind of talking about Ruben with him about it ever so briefly. I, I think even he kind of had kind of a hard time articulating how exactly things would work in practice. Um, could I get your guys' opinion on channel factories and maybe if you have any idea on how they might work in practice? Because I generally don't have a clear idea on that. You need to ask Christian Decker this one. Um, so, <laughs> channel, you know, the whole channel factories thing is, is really his, his, uh, his, his plaything. But uh, just from a high level, um, the idea that basically you can create channels on top of channels. So you have this channel between the two of us, but then it becomes this split channel between multiple separate parties. Um, but the trick is that you can unroll it so that you kind of re-anchor it back to the beginning and you get, you, you know, there, there's there's a lot less trust issue. Um, you still have the, the availability issue, I understand. So like if, if we've got a channel um, and, and one of us goes away, we need two signatures, we're screwed. But 
um, we need to go on chain in that case, but you can build this kind of layered system. Um, it's kind of interesting because the Bitcoin Beach has like a shared custody model for their uh, Lightning stuff that they're using. And um, I expect it would morph eventually into a more trustless kind of system, somewhat like this, where they would uh, use channel factories to basically create these micro channels between each other um, that are actually deep down, like, you know, one one or a handful of big channels. Um, but if you wanted to get into the weeds, you should really ask Christian Decker uh, this. So uh, there you go. You've lined up a future guest for your podcast. Whisper, whisper. I have him scheduled for Friday. <laughs> <laughs> You're all over it, Chaz. Awesome. But, oh, uh, uh, go ahead, what, uh, what, yeah, Jeff. Did you have anything to say on that? Well, the thing I like about this is... Uh, I'm not sure how, the, how it works exactly, but I think you can have a multi-party channel like with 10 people and then you can bring other people in and they like, you, the, 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 initial, the initial 10 people will be the custodians for the, the, other, the other ones that come up later. But like it's a custodian, like if any of the 10 are honest, then the, the people that come later are safe. So. It's like a federation that I'm not sure this is this is correct, but I think it's a federation that if only one of the members of the federation is honest, none of the others can steal from the newcomers that come later and join the multi party channel without signatures. Yeah, I believe that's correct. But the other downside of that is if any one of them is unresponsive, you're stuck and you need to redeem. Uh, on chain so that's always the trust model right like how reliable do you need you know you've got this trust this exchange between how available is everyone and how how many people do you trust um and this is not a crypto problem this is like a general problem in law and all these other things like how many signatures do you need to get this to do this thing right it fundamentally is this 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 trade-off so it's sort of fundamental uh, as i understand but it makes more sense um you know, let's assume that in the future we've got everyone's got good backups and good backup systems and everything else. Then you know, uh, it might make perfect sense to have this. And of course, the funds aren't lost. It's just that you do have to have an on-chain event uh, if if those ten kind of fail. Uh, so picking your threshold is 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 hopefully gets easier as people get more reliable as, as systems get more reliable. Yeah, hopefully you won't lose the ten per, ten people channel because of a ten set payment. It yes. Oh, someone <laughs> should fix that via Jeff. <laughs> kind of moving along here really fast. I had a uh, question for Rusty specifically. So um, anyone that watched our, our previous show with Rusty um, would know or just know in general because, you know, people know about Rusty is that he started his, uh, I'm not sure calling it starting your dev career, but just, you know, you used to do Linux uh, kernel dev. Um, and you did that for, for many, many years, from my understanding. Um, kind of an awkward question, but have you ever experienced a similar kind of dynamic where you're working on, like, quote unquote, the super important stuff? And then, you know, there are other, are other devs throughout the ecosystem that would just take it upon themselves to take ownership of various things, kind of similar to how Fiat Jeff's doing here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, Fiat Jeff reminds me of a younger me, only smarter. That's very much the, the model. Like with any open source kind of volunteer organization, um, people come in and go, oh, oh, 
this is really cool. I want to go do this, right? And they just start diving in and doing stuff. And that's like what Fiat Jeff does, right? He's like, oh, this would be cool. We should do this and we should fix this. And, you know, I don't know how he has enough time in the day to do it all. Um, but it very much reminds me of that vibe that we had in the early Linux days, right? I became maintainer of the firewalling stuff because I had some hacks and I kind of sent them to the maintainer and went, oh, cool. I think we could have, you know, this thing. And they liked it so much that they ripped out the old code, put mine in. <laughs> And, and oh. shit, I woke up one morning and I was the maintainer <laughs> of the firewall. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> what? Right? Um, but, you know, when someone shows competence and they're, uh, you know, uh, and they're enthusiastic and they just start doing stuff, um, it, it, that's, that's how stuff gets done. You know, it, it, it very much has a very similar vibe to kind of like, and, and the other thing is like lightning is such an open field. Like we've, we've had a pretty broad ranging discussion, but we could, we could, we could continue this discussion for another 10 hours on all the cool things that we can do with lightning. Um, there, it's such an open field that I think if you're enthusiastic and interested, this, you will find something cool to work on, which, which for me is like really amazing. And that's why, um, you know, that's why I get up at 530 in the morning to take these spec calls and stuff because it's exciting. Like it's, it's great. And there's so much stuff to do. So this, this is my pitch. You should join us, whoever you are listening. You should uh, figure out what, what interests you in the space and, and just go do it because you'll find there's so much elbow room. There probably isn't someone else doing exactly that right now. And you could be the one, right? Yeah, I love those uh, calls to action. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, I was going to do another call to action. Like, uh, I think there's needs we need more apps like doing fancy things, like things that you can you can't not do with the current credit card stuff for payments. Like even the most basic experiments. Uh, I I started doing like small apps that do did like weird things. But then I, <laughs> I, I, as I learned more about the protocol, I started doing more closer to the protocol stuff. But still, still, still trying to. But I think there people that come to the space. They they go through this like how oh, they they love lightning and they jump into the protocol side. But I think we need more of the uh, the apps that do stuff in the real world, even if it's silly stuff and small stuff. I'm not sure what I'm saying now, but that's that's the idea. That is absolutely true. Yeah. I, if you have some idea of something you'd like to try doing on Lightning, there, there's so much stuff you could do that you're probably going to be the first to do it, right? It's still early, right? You're still in that stage where it's, you know, for better or worse, it's not like, oh, cool. Yeah, there's, there's five packages that do that already. You'll often be the one having to do it yourself. Um, and, and you could well be the first, which is cool. And not just for people that are doing a dev, any people that aren't necessarily into the, the tech stuff specifically, could always start a podcast and start learning that way. Whisper, whisper, that's what I did. Um, and so, you know, not everyone's suited towards that. Not everyone has the, 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 the mind for it or the dedication or whatever, but you might be a more creative-minded person. So I would definitely advise anyone that has the inkling in, in the middle of their stomach somewhere to pull it out and not ignore it and, to uh, you know, make a difference like, uh, Something that I always uh, feel is like, even after I started this podcast, it's still not enough. I still have to give back more to Bitcoin and, and, and to Lightning and find more things to kind of, you know, make myself useful with. Um, so, you know, I feel like that would apply to anyone that's listening as well. I, I back that 100%. That's true. There's, there's so much to be done across the spectrum, right? There's education. There's just 
just you know just being a user who submits bug reports don't underestimate that right hi i was trying to do this it didn't work awesome uh with details right um is, is that, that that's killer right that that with is what sets, that, yeah, with details but that that is what sets my day right i get one of those emails that's what i'm doing today right you get to steer the boat by sending me bug reports and problems and things that you couldn't do um okay so it is nice someone to tell me tell me about things you could do too but those the, those reports are, are key right my first interaction with rusty was uh, i was asking you on telegram about something about running a bitcoin node on one computer and a lightning a c lightning node on another computer miles away and it was failing i, I don't remember exactly but then rusty fixed it on the on the spot like he added some stuff like increased the timeouts for the calls because the blocks had to go from one machine to the other and it was taking a long time and then after that it worked very well for for a long time uh, i remember that yeah it's like hold on wait why would anyone ever do that okay Sure, that's fine. I've never thought of that. Let's let's fix that. Um, but, but that's the thing. There's so much stuff we could be doing um, that unless you come forward and say, "Hey, I here's I'm having this problem. I really want to do this," we'll never know. Um, so that yeah, totally sets my priority list. So I think I have two final questions here, um, kind of opposites of each other. I'll ask the kind of more positive one first. No, actually, I think I'll ask the more negative one first. Um, so I kind of asked Fiat Jeff this already, but I'm just going to ask both of you, what do you think, um, is generally missing from the lightning network ecosystem right now? So either on the protocol side, the application side, anything like, what do you think is missing right now from our world? Users. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely true. Some of these problems were just solved by a larger network, more users, more stuff. Um, more users drives everything else, right? It drives more devs, it drives more liquidity, it drives more um, more education resources, it drives more awareness, it drives more vendors taking it, it drives more u- different use cases. It, it, fundamentally, it drives everything. So Fiat Jeff's answer was both funny and obvious, but also key. Um, for, for me, there's there's... There's maturity stuff, right? There's a whole heap of tweaks, like, you know, that we spend a lot of time talking about, like trying to minimize channel closures and stuff like that. More polish is always going to happen. Um, there's a whole, there's a pile of little things that I really like. Um, there's technical changes like the dual funding um, with, with, um, Liquidity advertisements, uh, advertisements that uh, that Lisa is working on and furiously trying to get into this next C Lightning release, uh, which I'm hugely looking forward to having its open marketplace for liquidity, which will be amazing. Um, so you know, there, there's a whole pile in that. Obviously, I really like offers. Um, I I'm actually really excited about recurring offers. Um, this is like really good. Um, for this I, like sort of Patreon model, or like, cool, I want to give you five dollars a month for some subscription, or just because I like you, whatever. Um, and having that all handled inside the wallet is is key um, and a really nice feature to have. So um, that's a good thing. Um, I think that uh, what Breeze Wallet is doing with basically the embedding payments uh, in the podcast reader stuff is is uh, something I never would have really thought of, but people seem to really love it. Um, and that goes back to like more users and that whole ecosystem could, could easily take off. Um, so, you know, they're currently using Keysend. I think there are some, I, I would love them to start using offers for that because I think that, that gives you some, in some ways a better experience, but whatever, right? So. Well, one thing is like when people that are not involved in the, those don't know anything about Lightning, like they learn about things that they could do 
they they get amazed by it <laughs> and it's like very very simple things like the crypto graffiti guy wanted to do a live stream a dj live stream and he wanted to split the payments like uh, get donations and split the payments between him the dj and the mu music producers and i told him well we can do it like in a custodial way in a server you can't we can't really do it <laughs> non-custodially it's yes too complicated but uh, on a custodial server it's very easy to do and he was he was oh, oh no, that's amazing i didn't expect this to be so <laughs> like it's a very basic thing and uh, i i don't know how like i imagine there are other people out there that need stuff and would like stuff but they don't know it's possible to do like with a little bit of programming and and lighting absolutely and that's that's very true so I want to go ahead and ask the the reverse to that question. What are we doing well in the Lightning Network ecosystem? Um, like, because it seems like things are growing, maybe kind of at a kind of reasonable pace here. Um, but what what are we doing well overall? This ecosystem here. Oh, um, we the fact that we're growing means that we're doing something right, right? Um, you know, the, the organic growth is really nice to see, right? We're seeing just people growing it because Lightning is useful for them and they're using it. I think we do that pretty well because, um, you know, we don't want to get slammed with all these massive new users all at once and kind of the, the problems that comes with. I mean, I like users, but I just don't want too many at once, right? Um, because, you know, a few more users gets you more stability, more bug reports, but a wave of users gets you, like, you know, uh, flooded by by you know, kind of if, if one percent of your users have an issue every so often then you're gonna you know there's a limit on how many users you can kind of handle at once ramping up so i think that that organic growth has been fantastic for us um i think the increasing emphasis on privacy and the directions that everyone wants to go are really promising and really good um and you know, I think generally the 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 broader interaction that we're having, like so, you know, the, the spec process works works reasonably well. It's a little bit slow, but you know, everyone still interoperates with everyone else, and we still, you know, there's been a lot of progress on new proposals in the spec and stuff like that. So that all the increasing number of implementations that we're seeing now can all kind of you know work together, and and you know, uh, and we haven't seen like massive network splits where you know <laughs> where we have incompatibilities and stuff. So I think that is working really well, and. Um, yeah, via Jeff, what do you think? What do you think are the good things? Well, I am very optimistic because I think like we have all these other scaling solutions besides Lightning, and uh, like state chains, side chains, whatever, and drive chains. And but I think Lightning is the will be the core payment method for everything in the future. Like if if we get Bitcoin adopted more, and these other things start coming. Like we will have, I imagine, like interoperability between all them using Lightning as the core. So I think we are on the right spot here. And I, I would like to see more progress on these, these sides, like uh, making Lightning the core network for all payments, whatever. I think, I think we're on the right track. I agree. And I must say it was gratifying sometimes it feels like everyone in the bitcoin world is all about store of value and you know lightning network is kind of not on their radar but then i've got to say and i don't you know usually get too pumped about stuff happening in the broader ecosystem because it's you know good days and bad days but uh the el salvador stuff that interest was led by the lightning network and that's refreshing to see yeah 
that is a Lightning Network story of people actually using it, actually needing it, um, actually finding it useful. And, you know, that that for me is 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 gratifying. I guess like we always kind of said, hey, this is important. And but the narratives, you know, really shifted while we we're working on the Lightning Network to be, oh, it's store of value. And we're kind of like, well, payments are important. I thought, well, maybe they'll come out of store of value. Eventually everyone will have Bitcoin and they'll now then start looking to how to spend it. So it was nice to kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I, I think we're going to go ahead and stop there. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to hit before I ended the show here? Well, I'm hoping at some stage we can do this face-to-face, then I can get Fiat Jeff's autograph. So get it. my life will be complete. <laughs> You're not recording anymore, right? <laughs> I'm, still re- I'm still recording. <laughs> but all right. Um, well, we'll assume that's a no for now. Uh, uh, and so could could I have uh, Rusty go ahead and let the listeners know how they can find you on the interweb? Yeah, so I'm Rusty underscore twit. Uh, on Twitter. That's probably the best way uh, to contact me. But if you Google, you'll find me. Rusty at blockstream.com is my email if you want to reach out for some reason. But yeah, I'm always happy to chat about Lightning and related things. So, And Fiat Jeff? I have a website, fiatjeff.com. Very nice domain. <laughs> there, there are links there. <laughs> it's Fiat Jeff everywhere. So. Any prev out dot X Y Z. Yeah, that's that's what Chaz likes. Like <laughs> the most <laughs> the most useful soft fork ever ever came someone came up with. Much more useful than Taproot. <laughs> I think Fiat Jeff owns all of X Y Z. Like he's the only person I know who's ever had X Y Z domains, and he has multiple. So <laughs> yeah, it's a very cheap domain, right? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I I appreciate both of you joining me on the Lightning Junkies podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Boom. That was the 46th episode of the Lightning Junkies podcast. How'd you guys like that one? I enjoyed it. Quick announcement that I'm going to kind of hide here in the outro where no one's going to listen to it. I'm going to try to do intros and outros just kind of generally less and make them more informal and just kind of make them baked into the episode. I do want to remind people about Breeze and how they can support the podcast. You know, this being a community-supported podcast is something that I talked about in the first few episodes of Lightning Junkies, and I think I've been getting more and more convinced by uh, more recently uh, someone, you know, randomly uh, donated or, you know, provided a value for value transaction, whatever the fuck you want to describe that as. But, you know, someone, you know, gave us a good amount of Bitcoin to cover our expenses for many months on end. So that's much appreciated. And I think really the way that I want to finance the show, I don't want to have advertisements. I don't want to have bullshit at the beginning of the podcast, kind of weighing it down, a bunch of announcements, a bunch of me having to be fake. Oh, check out this exchange. It's great. Like, no, man, I just don't give a shit. Like, I want to have the conversations that people really care about, you know, in relation to Bitcoin and in in relation to the Lightning Network. I don't want to stuff them full of inauthentic opinions about products I kind of like in order to make sure I can make money off the fucking thing. I would rather have the thing be useful 
I would rather produce useful content first and just be pissing money away versus having money come in, but actually have the podcast be a vacant, useless, like commercial piece of shit. So, you know, that's where I am in reality. So I didn't want to spend too much time here at the end. I think I'm still going on too long, but I think this is me being authentic and honest. So hopefully you can forgive me for this. You know, the five people that are taking the time to listen to this. So if you genuinely got something back from this episode, other episodes of Lightning Junkies, please take the time to go to lightningjunkies.net forward slash support and drop some Bitcoin. You know, we spend hundreds of dollars a month on this podcast on running a Bitcoin Lightning routing node and having really low fees because, you know, we want to have an old an altruistic lightning node and we find that's very important and we want to have a podcast that's also a community driven project and not a commercial ad filled piece of shit thank you for listening to this rant and i'll see you on the lightning network